Salvation Now podcast, where you'll discover and be equipped with keys from the Word of God that will pave the way to God's unlimited blessing in your life. Now, here's your host, Evangelist T.J. Malkanji. into doing that, I want to show you, I want to read to you rather a testimony that uh, someone just wrote into me, but it's a testimony from years ago that I've actually been testifying to in the many churches that I've preached at because it's one of the greatest testimonies that I've ever seen God uh, do and accomplish in and through our ministry. And so it's something that I've told, you've probably heard it, maybe you've heard it on this broadcast before. Uh, when I preach on divine healing, it's very, very rare that I do not bring it up. But this week, you know, it's, it's weird because I was already planning on preaching on divine healing. And then it was like yesterday or the day before, they, this lady, without me asking for it, just writes to me a detailed uh, account of what God did for her, which I had never, you know, I never had a detailed account. I just had, you know, the general details or the general gist of it all. But I want to read to you the very detailed account of what God did about three or four years ago, maybe even more actually, might have been five years ago, in Cutstown, Pennsylvania, in a woman uh, who had been suffering for, for years. So I want you, as I read this testimony, to set your faith on this. If you've been suffering for years, if you've been dealing with something for 10 years, 12 years, 18 years, the Bible actually goes through different testimonies through the Gospels of a woman who had 12 years, suffered at the Hands of many physicians with an issue of blood was no better, only grew worse. In John chapter 5, there's a man who got healed who had been sick for over 40 years. In Acts chapter 3, the same thing, was born crippled and was a man over 40 years of age. In John chapter 9, a man who was born blind. The Bible doesn't ignore the fact that there were people Jesus healed that had suffered not just for three months, not these minor ailments, not just small things. Long-lasting plagues, plagues of long continuance, things that were not, they weren't able to beat off in the natural. And it taught, the, the scripture brings these, uh, these stories, which are not fairy tale stories. These aren't Disney, you know, entertainment. These are real historical accounts of that people who had suffered for many, many years at the hands of many, many physicians and then coming in contact with Jesus in one moment's time. In one moment's time. One touch from his healing hand. And it totally eliminated every sign and trace of sickness and disease in their body. And so as I read this testimony, I want you to set your faith for the same. Because what God does for one. Testimonies were written in scripture. Not just for us to look back and say, wasn't that great? What Jesus did, those testimonies were written so that you too can have faith come alive in you to stretch forward and reach forward to lay hold of the same things that those people laid hold of in Bible times. The Bible says, ever since the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. The violent snatch it by force. The violent retrieve it. There is a table set in heaven, and there's a chair with your name on it, and in front of that, there's a menu where you can order healing off the menu today, and you don't have to wait. Look at the book of Mark. Mark has 
38 times Mark says the word immediately. He brings out the word immediately because God, God has been waiting over 2,000 years, 2,000 years to see you well. He anticipated it when Jesus took those stripes on his back. He's not waiting for, you know, he's not, there, there, there's no more waiting involved. That's what I'm trying to get at right now. There's no more waiting involved. What Jesus did 2,000 years ago is still available for us today. And so as I read this testimony, I want you to be inspired. And then we're going to get through the 10 facts of, of divine healing. But I want you to be inspired right now as I read. That what God did for this woman, he's ready, willing, and his hands stretched forth towards you for you to see the same in your body today. Listen to this. I was in a very bad place in life. I was in constant pain 24 hours a day. Over my life, I have been on every prescription narcotic painkiller from tramadol to methadone. I was drinking to stop the pain, at times suicidal. I got saved and gave my life to Jesus when I was younger. My mother would always quote Bible verses to me. And they came back to me in my head uh, in my time of need. By his stripes, I'm healed. I have the mind of Christ. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And I started to envision myself healed. I spoke out loud these verses to myself. I envisioned myself going to my mother's church. She's saying here that I had a vision of this, that I was at my mother's church and being healed. I saw a traveling evangelist at her church that would lay hands on me and that I would be healed. So I called my mother. This is like, oh, this is a 2017 or 18. She calls her mother that week and told her, I'm coming to church with you this Sunday. On the car ride, I told her that I envisioned somebody would be, would be uh, that someday, sorry, I would be healed by a traveling evangelist. She replied, my, her mother replied to her saying, Dina, the pastor is having an evangelist there today. His name is TJ. In that moment, I knew that I was going to be healed. TJ prayed for me, and I was healed that day of fibromyalgia, a non-curable disease, healed of rheumatoid arthritis, a non-curable disease, healed of Lyme's disease, which I didn't even know. I told the testament I didn't even bring that one up. Chronic Lyme's disease, chronic pain syndrome, chronic cluster headaches, depression, anxiety, and panic attacks. What I didn't realize at the time is that I was stepping out in faith and believing Jesus would heal me. And I'm here telling anyone who would listen, if Jesus healed me, I know that I know that I know that he can heal you also. I don't care what you're going through. If you need healing, Jesus is the answer. Signed, Dina Hogan, February 12, 2023. Rheumatoid arthritis, chronic Lyme's disease, fibromyalgia, cluster headaches, herniated discs. I mean, that's like the trifecta of pain that hell can offer. And in one service, that day, I, don't, I forget when it was, 2018 or 2017. In one service, I remember laying hands on her. I remember her face. The power of God hit her in such a way where she partook of what had been available to her her entire life. But it was that day as I preached on divine healing and brought these divine healing facts to light 
that she had now a violent faith ready to stretch forth. You know, the Bible says, fight the fight of faith, lay hold of those things which already belong to you. Healing belongs to you. I want you to write that down in the comment section. Healing belongs to me. Healing belongs to me. I have no idea why the numbers are so low today when I'm going to be dealing with something that's going to blast sickness out of people's bodies. If you can help me today, if you haven't already liked the broadcast, like the broadcast on YouTube um, and on Facebook, share it. Because I really believe, I'm setting my faith right now for, for, for immediate turnarounds in people's bodies and in people's minds. You know, if you're believing God for uh, healing in your mind, some people don't have a physical prison that they're dealing with, but there's a mental prison that they're dealing with. OCD, depression, anxiety, schizophrenia, uh, all kinds of stuff. Tell you another testimony. Matter of fact, I'll save it for after. But whatever it is, the Lord is, the power of the Lord is present. Luke chapter 5, as he was teaching the word, the power of the Lord was present to heal people. And that's what I, I know is going to happen right now. As I teach these divine healing facts, the power of the Lord is going to manifest in your living room, in your workplace, in your, in your, your house, wherever you're at. at if you're just listening to this in your car, the power of the Lord is going to invade that place. And let me tell you something. When God's power, when God steps in, sickness has to bow out. When God's power comes in, sickness has to exit. The presence of God is the eviction notice for any demonic seed that's been planted in your body or in your soul. The presence of God, him showing up is the eviction notice. Matthew chapter eight, Jesus shows up to Peter's house and his mother-in-law is lying sick there with a fever. And the scripture says, somehow the fire alarm, there's so much fire on this broadcast, the fire alarm in my own house is going off, hallelujah. The Bible says that... Um, when Jesus entered in to, the, to Peter's house, his mother-in-law was lying sick there with a fever and the, nobody even asked him to heal her. It irritated Jesus to see her lying there down and with a fever, not being able to, to walk in the fullness of her calling and in the fullness of her potential. It irritated Jesus. It, it, it was aggravating to him. There was an aggression, that, uh, like a, a sigh, a deep sigh in Jesus' spirit when he saw her there being held captive, being laid down by the burden of that fever, how it handicapped her from walking in the fullness of what God called her to do. When God sees you sick, it irritates him. I want you to see this. I want you to visualize God in, visualize God in heaven right now, irritated by that sickness in your body ticked off by that thing plaguing your mind, angry at the devil's work in your life. But it makes no difference if God is angry at the devil's work in your life. You need to get angry at the devil's work in your life. And I believe as I bring to light these divine healing facts today, that's what's going to rise up in your heart. You're going to get angry at what the enemy's been doing for far too long. He's overstayed his welcome. He's trespassed. Sickness is a transgression of your rights as a born-again believer in Christ. Sickness is a trespassing. It is an illegal infringement of the enemy in your life. And it's about time you stop tolerating it. 
It's about time you stop placating or nursing it and you start rising up and you say enough is enough. Today's, yesterday was the last day I go to bed sick. Today I'm rising up, pulling up a table to the chair, to the, to the table, to, pulling up a chair to the table of God and I'm going to feast on the healing power of God. Hallelujah. Let me go through some introductory thoughts. Jesus said that religious and traditional teachings creeping into the church is what will hinder the healing part of the gospel from being proclaimed and acted on. Man-made theories built on experience is what's threatening your healing more than anything today. Let me repeat that. Man-made theories built not on the word of God, but on experience is what threatens your healing today more than anything else. The Bible says, let nobody cheat you of your reward through, through what? Through the vain traditions of the teachings of man. Let nobody cheat you of your reward, your reward through worldly principles or traditions passed on from the fathers that do not hold to biblical doctrine. The Bible says, Jesus speaking to the Pharisees, he said, you make the word of God and the power of God of no effect in keeping to your traditions. You make the word of God of no effect in keeping to your traditions. So if you're content with accepting religious theory that has no biblical backing on it, then Sirenara, there's nothing else we can do for you. Jesus himself, when he got to Nazareth, could do no mighty works there because they were too caught up on religious thinking and they re rejected Christ and what he was bringing. He, they were not willing to be fed by the bread of life. And as such, they were disqualified and disconnected from receiving from the power that was able to set them free. He could heal, the Bible says, do no mighty works there except that he laid his hands on a few people with mild ailments mild problems mild problems so that's what preaching does essentially preaching is flushing the toilet on religious garbage and then filling you back up with biblical truths that is able to liberate you from all oppression of the devil that's why when jesus got to nazareth and he saw that they were unbelieving the bible says he marveled at their unbelief but he didn't get mad at them he didn't say you unbelieving um you unbelieving Scum of the earth, get, you know, don't, don't expect anything from me. I'm giving up on you. I'm through with you. You had one shot. That's not how he reacted. The Bible says he marveled at their unbelief, and then he went about in a circuit through their villages teaching, teaching. Unbelief is what cuts people off from the power of God to be healed. Unbelief is the main cause of people not being healed. But let me tell you something good today. Since unbelief can be cured, everything else can be cured in your body. Unbelief is the main reason people are not cured. And I don't mean unbelief as in they've rejected Christ. Unbelief, I said it on Tuesday's broadcast, can be ignorance of God's will. Unbelief can be uh, misappropriating God's will. Unbelief can be a misunderstanding of the word of God. You know not the scriptures, neither yet the power of God. Unbelief can be just simply not knowing the scriptures or not having a proper interpretation of the scriptures. So I'm not saying if you're, uh, uh, if you're unbelieving, it's simply you have rejected Christ and you're going to hell. You can be a Christian on your way to heaven, but have unbelief in the area 
of divine healing in that you don't have an adequate understanding. That's why I read books like this, Healing the Sick by T.L. Osborne. Because this man had a revelation of divine healing in the word of God. And as such, when I read it, I absorb that revelation. It allows me to then form understanding of God's will. And when that happens, faith comes alive. And a robust, a robust faith, a faith that cannot be messed with, a faith that will not back down, a faith that cannot be resisted by any demonic hindrance. Hope, that's a great scripture. My people perish for a lack of knowledge. For a lack of knowledge. So, if you don't want to perish an early death, you know, my prayer before coming on to this broadcast is, Father, anything that threatens the Psalm 91 blessing, that with long life, I'll satisfy them. Eliminate it from their life. Anything that threatens with long life, I'll satisfy them eliminate it from their life and lack of knowledge to God's perfect will concerning your divine health and strength is what threatens it's what threatens your ability to walk in the inheritance of divine health and strength so today as I preach all of those things all of those uh, ignorance misunderstanding of the word of God is being eliminated and true Bible facts and Bible faith is rising up in you today in Jesus' name. And why do I go through the Bible? Because the Bible is a book of covenant promises. And the way God has always, I know people want, like Thomas, well, I won't believe in healing until I see it. Well, then you'll never see it. God's method has always been, I give you a promise, you believe the promise. When you believe the promise and act on it, I then fulfill the promise with power. His method has never changed. Psalm 27, 13, David said, I would have lost heart had I not believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord while I'm yet in the land of the living. David didn't say, I'll believe it when I see it. David said, I would have lost heart had I not believed. The believing preceded the scene. The believing must precede the receiving if you're going to walk in what God desires you to for you to have today. Possession does not come before believing. Possession follows believing. Possession follows believing the promises of God. The believing always comes before the seeing. God has given you a, prop a promise that... He is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals you. We have that promise. Every promise is a revelation of his nature, his character, and his will. He would not promise you something unless he willed to do it. For everyone that just says, you know, I know God can do it. If he wants it done, he'll get it done. It's like, for example, if a millionaire came into your house today and he said, and he just sat at your table, he has the ability to give you a thousand dollars. But has he expressed a promise to do so? No. And so his ability to give you $1,000 doesn't prove his willingness to do it. It's only when he expresses his promise to give you $1,000 that now you can put true faith and expectation to receive $1,000. Knowing God can heal does squat. 
does nothing. Even unbelievers know God can do anything, raise the dead, clear, clear the leprosy out. He can do anything. He can heal the sick. He can open up blind eyes. Unbelievers, even they know that God can do anything and everything he desires to do because he is God. But that does not reveal his willingness to do, do so. God's ability is displayed in these scriptures, but God's promises are the revelation of his willingness to bring healing to your body today. And I prophesy in the name of Jesus, by the time we say amen today, the healing power of God, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead shall invade your body and quicken you, thereby putting an end to long, long uh, plagues of long continuance Healing will manifest in your body today in Jesus' mighty name. Every seed of sickness is being uprooted from your body in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Just like Peter preached and the power of God came upon them that heard the word, as I teach and preach on divine healing today, the power of God is coming alive in your body like a fire going to burn up every symptom that you're facing and every pain that you're facing today. Whether the devil likes it or not, his time is up. His time to go is today. Yesterday was the last day you'll ever stay sick. The last sickness you ever suffered will be the last sickness you ever suffer. You're walking in to divine health for you and your family. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God has provided for us countless promises, over 2,000 that deal with divine healing. And I know a lot of people try to pinpoint in certain scriptures and they say, well, you know, what about Timothy? Timothy was told by Paul to take a little wine for his stomach, you know. Paul could have healed him. Why didn't he do that? God could have healed Timothy. Why didn't he do that? Or, you know, Trophimus, Paul left at Miletus sick. What are you going to do with that? Okay, keep pinpointing little tiny scriptures and build entire doctrines on that. In that case, we can talk about Demas because Demas... For, was a co-labor with Paul. He was a preacher uh, of the gospel. He was on fire for God. He even uh, was a, a companion of Paul in his missionary journeys. And yet the Bible says later on that Demas had forsook Paul, having loved this present world, meaning he went back into sin. So we should deduct from that that salvation, we don't know who's saved or whether we're all saved or not. We don't know much about the doctrine of salvation. We also don't really have much confidence to be placed in God's ability to preserve the saints and keep them without stumbling and faultless to the end because Demas, he proves, he proves that God is very wavering when it comes to salvation because he was truly a companion of Paul, but then he forsook Paul, loved the present age, and went back into his old ways. So can we really trust that Jesus still saves the sinner? Can we really trust that Jesus always wills to heal the sinner, uh, to save the sinner? You know, it's stupid to think that way. The Bible never negates, or neglects rather, to bring up the faults of certain men. The faults in faith, the faults in their character, the faults in their manner of life. The Bible, it brought up the fact that David murdered Uzzah and slept with his wife Bathsheba and had a child out of wedlock. The Bible brings up the fact that Abraham lied and Isaac, his son, did the exact same thing. The Bible does not neglect to bring up the fact that Peter, James, and John called for fire to burn Samaria up, and Jesus rebuked them openly and said, you don't know what spirit you're of. The Bible does not neglect to bring up Mark chapter 8, Peter saying, far be it from you, to Jesus, and Jesus turning to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. 
Peter, you know, Peter, they say, is actually the one who inspired Mark. He's the one that's the voice of Mark. Mark was just the one that wrote the letter, but Peter is the source of the stories. And so Peter could have easily have neglected to bring that part up, but the Bible, by the inspiration of the Spirit, doesn't bring up these shortcomings or these faults. And just because someone fell, the Bible says that Asa did not seek the Lord. He sought the physician, and he died in his death. He died in his sickness. So the Bible doesn't neglect to bring these things up. But does that mean we should build, you know, Judas went and hung himself. Should we use that scripture now that it's okay to hang ourselves? No. So just because there's a scripture that details a historical fact does not mean that that was God's will for that situation. Trophimus was left at Miletus sick. Why? I don't know. I don't know. But you know what I do know? There's over 2,000 promises in the Bible that talk about divine healing. Let's get in it. Let's get in it. Number one divine healing fact. Both sin and sickness came into the world through sin and the fall of man. So it's only logical now to look for a remedy to both in the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. Since both sin and sickness came into the world through the fall of man, it's only logical now to look for the remedy in the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 5. Man, I feel like today is going to be a nuclear bomb for people that have been held back by religious teachings. And I don't mean in a bad way. I mean it's going to blow up those religious teachings and it's going to help so many people uh, break free. Break free from being held down in captivity in their body. Romans 5.12, Therefore, just as one man, sin entered the world, and death through sin, we know the objective of sickness is death, and thus death spread to all men because all men sin. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. So Romans 5.12 says, Through Adam, sin entered the world, and death through sin. There was no sickness in the Garden of Eden. Sickness came as a result of the fall of man. There's no sickness in heaven. There's no handicapped spaces in heaven. There's no deaf schools or deaf clinics in heaven. All of it came as a result of the fall of Adam in Eden. Adam did not battle the sniffles in Eden. Adam did not have to go and get dialysis three times a week in Eden. Eve did not have frail bones in Eden. Weakness, sickness, death came as a result of the fall of man. But listen to this, Romans 5, 17. For if by the one man's offense or sin, death reigned through the one, death reigned in Adam, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. So Paul is highlighting this basic redemptive fact. Through Adam, all fell to sin. In sin, sin gave birth to sickness, to heart problems, to pain, to weakness. When Jesus came, he came as a substitute. Adam was the first Adam. Jesus came as the last Adam to put an end 
to the reign of terror that the enemy had set up over the human race and thereby usher us into a new life. Jesus said the thief came to steal. Steal what? Health. Kill. Kill what? Our bodies. Destroy. Destroy what? Our lives. But Jesus came to usher in abundant life. Much more we, Romans 5, 17, who've received abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, that salvation, shall reign in life. When are we going to reign? So sin, sin allowed, because remember, in Eden, we had the keys of authority. We ruled. We reigned. We were the dominating ones on the earth. When Adam sinned, he took those keys of authority. He took, uh, he, he forfeited. Adam forfeited our right to govern over the earth and over ourselves to the devil. The devil then began his reign of terror, his rule, his government, his tyranny, which includes, you know, the Bible says, under the rule, under the rule of the devil came the laws of sin and death. Sickness is part of the laws of sin and death. There was no law of sin and death in Eden. The laws of sin and death is the arbitrating system of the devil. But when Jesus came, he set us free from the laws of sin and death and set us free into the laws of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. So that now what used to reign over us, what used to govern our lives, what, used to, what we used to have no control over us, can't control who gets sick, can't control that, we now have rule and control over those things. We now have dominion over the thing that used to, dominate it up, do, used to dominate us because we've been set free from the laws of sin and death. In Genesis 1, the Bible says, God said everything was good when he created it. When Adam sinned, everything got spoiled. When Jesus came and died and rose again and we put our faith in that, everything that was spoiled, Jesus came to restore the glory of Eden. Hallelujah. Jesus came to restore the glory of Eden for you. Hallelujah. And I want to say something. He didn't come to restore the glory of Eden only for the next life. Talked about it on Tuesday. Every promise of God in Christ Jesus is yes and amen. Tuesday, we talked about preach the kingdom, heal the sick. The moment you enter into the kingdom, which is when you're born again, you get to partake of the healing power of God. It's not something that we're going to get to taste and see of when we get to heaven. It's something we get to taste and see of the moment we access God's kingdom. So healing fact number one, both sin and sickness came into the world through the fall of man. So it's logical now to look to the remedy or for a remedy to both in the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. John Alexander Dowie used to always say, sickness is the foul offspring of its father, Satan, and its mother, sin. Satan is, is the father of sin, the originator of sin and sickness. And sickness is the foul offspring of its father, Satan, and its mother, sin. So it's only normal and logical now to see that healing is the great offspring of the redemptive work of Christ at Calvary. Isaiah 53, he bore our sickness, he carried our pains. He became the substitute, absorbing in himself everything we had forfeited in Adam so that we can now 
He was bruised so we could be made whole. He was made sick so that we could be made healed. He was made sinful so that we could be made righteous. Hallelujah. Number two, God revealed himself as healer through his name, Jehovah Rapha. Every redemptive name of Jehovah is a revelation of his nature and his will. Jehovah Tzikednu, a revelation of the Lord, our righteousness. When God said, I am Jehovah Tzikednu, I am the Lord, our, your righteousness. He was showing you that you cannot, A, A, you cannot get a righteousness of your own that would satisfy my demands. And then B, you don't need to get a righteousness of your own because in Christ, you've been made righteous. I am. He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am your righteousness. Jehovah Shammah. The Lord is here. He was revealing his will to be with you always, even to the ends of the age. He said, I am your refuge and strength of very present help in times of trouble. The Bible says, as I was with Moses, so shall I be with you. In Hebrews 13, it says, therefore, we can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is on my side. God is with you. Make that confession today. God is with me. So he revealed himself as Jehovah Shammah. He revealed himself as Jehovah Sha'a, the Lord our shepherd. His willingness to shepherd you, to guide you, to lead you is revealed in that he called himself your shepherd, Jehovah Ra'a, Psalm 23. Jehovah Nisi, his nature and his will to fight for you and bring you victory and be your banner of victory revealed when he said, I'm Jehovah Nisi. Well, nobody doubts these things. Nobody doubts Jehovah Tzikednu. Nobody doubts he's still Jehovah Tzikednu. Nobody doubts he's still Jehovah Shammah, the Lord that's with us. Nobody who is saved and has a rational mind and has read the scriptures without bias can come away with the idea that God has left us. He's not left us. He's still with us. He's still Jehovah Shammah. Well, why is it that we doubt he's still Jehovah Rapha? His willingness to heal. When he said, I'm Jehovah Rapha, let's read it. Exodus 15. Exodus chapter 15. Verse 22. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. Remember, there's not 16 guys coming out of Egypt. There's over 3 million Israelites coming out of Egypt. And this is a couple of weeks down the line. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Now when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Marah. And the people complained against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? So he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. When he cast the tree, which D.L. Moody, in writing about this, says that the tree was a type of the cross. When he cried out to the Lord, the Lord showed him a tree. And when he cast the tree into the waters, the waters were made sweet. Hallelujah. The tree was a type of the cross. That when he cast, when he acted on in faith in taking that tree and throwing it into the waters, it totally neutralized the bitterness or the bacteria or the infestation of bacteria in the water, 
providing them with healthy, clean, potable water. Well, in the same way, when you believe on Christ, what he did at the cross and the stripes he took on his back, when you simply believe and act on that promise and get up out of that state of paralysis, out of that, just get up out of that, that bed, that sick bed that you've just been staying in, the Bible says that it will clear out any bacteria in your body. It'll clear out any sickness in your system. Just like the tree cleared out the bitterness in the waters, the power of God will clear out any bacteria or infestation of sickness and disease in your system. And there he made a statute and an ordinance for them. And he tested them and said, If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I've brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. That's two, that's three million Jews that he says, I'll be Jehovah Rapha to you. Not only will you not get sick, not, not only will I heal you when you are sick, he said, I won't even allow any of the diseases that came upon the Egyptians that you knew in Egypt, when you came out of Egypt, the diseases you knew in Egypt, you won't have to suffer any longer. The diseases you knew in your genetical line, what passed down to you genetically, the diseases you knew when you were in this world, the diseases you knew when you were unredeemed, the diseases you knew when you were in your type of Egypt, unredeemed, cut off from the promises of God, cut off from the help of God, cut dead in your sin and in your trespasses and sins. God said, the diseases you knew in Egypt, I'll not allow any of them to come to you anymore. Not only will I heal you when you are sick, I'll not, there's another level that you can put your faith and set your faith out on for today. And that's, I won't even get sick. Hallelujah. If three million Hebrews who the Bible says in Psalm 105, verse 37, that they came out of Egypt with silver and gold, and there was not one weak or feeble amongst all their tribe. If three million Jews could be sustained by that covenant of divine health that God made with them in Exodus 15, so that there was not even none sick, there was none weak or feeble amongst all their tribe. Under an old covenant, how much more should we expect to walk in health, be healed today, and enter into an overflow of that divine health? Under this better covenant based and established on better promises, Hebrews 8, 6. We have the surety of a better covenant. Well, something can't be better unless it at least provides what the old had has to at least provide what the old had when those men said to Jesus every man brings out the good wine first but you've saved the best for last for it to be best it had to at least been as good as what they were drinking before that was a, a type of the two covenants Jesus when he turned the water into wine he was actually showing you I'm bringing a better covenant and I'm coming to establish it. The wine, remember the wine. He said, take and drink this wine of, my new, of the new covenant, which is my blood. He sealed this blood, not by an ox or by a goat or by a bull or by a donkey or a natural lamb, but by the blood of the supernatural lamb of God, Jesus Christ. And it's the best covenant. It's a better covenant. It blows the old covenant out of the park. And if the old covenant contained healing, 
then the new covenant has it as all. If we still believe him to be Jehovah Tzikednu, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah, uh, Jehovah Ra'a, then we have to believe that he's still Jehovah Rapha. And remember, it says here, doesn't say, and a select few of the Jews that had drank from the bitter waters were healed that day. Anyone. He said, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God. He's talking to the people of Israel as a whole. In this new covenant God's talking to the people of his church, the body of Christ as a whole, not individually selecting. Healing is not a lottery case. There's not a lottery system in heaven where there's balls floating and he says, now serving number 27. Number 27, Sharon Suko, you're up to bat. Come on and receive your price is right benefit of divine healing today. That's not how it works. The gospel call to salvation is as universal to the gospel call for healing. It says universal. Whosoever shall believe shall be saved. Whosoever and as many as touched the hem of his garment were made well of whatever affliction they had. Number three, Bible fact of divine healing. God promises protection for our body as well as for our spirits when we live in him. Third John verse two. I'm convinced most people do not know this scripture even exists, but I'm going to read it. Because most people don't read 3 John. They read 1 John. Maybe they touch on 2 John. But if rarely, if ever, people touch 3 John. But listen to how 3 John starts his letter. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. This is John, the apostle whom Jesus loved. The one who leaned on his bosom. The one who had a revelation of Christ on the island of Patmos. The one who was brought to that mountain of transfiguration and beheld the only begotten of the Father when his visage was transfigured before them and he saw his clothes become as white as no launder on earth could ever whiten clothes. This is John who knew Jesus, who walked and talked with Jesus. So for all those knuckleheads that write books on I don't believe God heals today, I don't give a rip about your opinion. I don't care two hoots about what you think God did based on because you didn't get healed or your Aunt Sally didn't get healed or your pet guinea pig, God didn't heal that pet guinea pig. I don't care. With all due respect, I'm sorry what happened to them. I wish I could have got to them. Maybe I could have helped them by preaching the word in sincerity and without adulterating or twisting or perverting it. Perhaps I could have helped them. Ultimately, it doesn't matter what their experience was. My faith and my belief system is not ruled or governed or set up or wired by what other people have gone through. My faith system is wired and governed by what the Bible says. My faith system is wired and governed by what the Bible says. My belief system, this system of truth that I have adopted is not based on his truth and that truth and this truth and the other's truth. It's based on Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. And let every man be a liar, but God be true. If God said I can walk in health, then get out of my way if you say anything else. You're just like Peter. You've lent your voice to the devil and I say, get thee behind me, Satan. I'm sure there are very good Christians, you know, I know some believers, sincere in their faith, will go to heaven, but they don't believe the way I, you know, the, the scripture uh, outlines these Bible facts on divine healing, and that's fine. They can, 
go their way, stay sick, I'll take their portion of healing. Because I'm not going to shrink back from declaring the fullness of the counsel of God. I'm not going to be cheated out of my reward through vain philosophy. Philosophy. What's philosophy? It's people's vain thinking. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, he says, where is the wise disputer of this age? Where is the philosopher? God has made foolish the wisdom of this world. Not going with someone's philosophy or experience. Well, I know what TJ's preaching, but have you ever considered Aunt Sally? You know what she went through and all that, you know? Okay. So what? Am I going to say, have you ever considered what this guy, you know, he used to be so on fire for God. Now he's lukewarm. He's lukewarm as any lukewarm as, as can be. You know, I, have you ever considered that sometimes God doesn't want you to be on fire for God? Have you ever considered, you know, there was a, a minister who went up to T.L. Osborne once and he said, uh, every time I see people healed in my meetings, it's like I get sick and I think the Lord is doing this to me because he's, uh, he's trying to make me, uh, to prove myself faithful in sickness before I can be used in this great ministry of healing. And T.L. Osborne said, you see the difference between you and I. Well, actually, before he said that, he, he asked him a question. He said, do you feel that you need to prove yourself faithful in sin, in sin to see other people delivered from sin? You know, when you actually start to think about the things you let out of your mouth sometimes, you start to realize they're, they're freaking crazy things. I feel like I have to prove my, myself faithful in sickness in order for God to use me in this ministry. It gives me compassion. Okay, do you need to prove yourself faithful as a prostitute to deliver prostitutes from that sin? Do you feel like you should prove yourself faithful in uh, marijuana use or perhaps even go a little stronger and start injecting yourself with some sort of uh, heroin or start smoking crack or meth or whatever so that you can be used in that community and bring those people to repentance and faith in God? Think before you start speaking, sir. Teal Osborne said, you see, the difference between you and I is that you feel like you need to bear the sicknesses of the people in order to prove yourself faithful and effective in ministering healing to them. I believe that Jesus bore the sicknesses of the people and my own sicknesses, that he's the mediator. He's the one that bore it all. I just need to be used as his mouthpiece to bring this everlasting gospel to their lives so that they can merely just hear and believe and be saved and be healed, and be set free. That's the difference. Some people, they, they always say, well, you know, I feel like every time I cast a demon out of someone, it's like someone in my family, something happens, because, and I think God's doing that to keep me sharp. You're an idiot, sir. <laughs> you're, you're not very bright. Jesus already dealt with the devil. Jesus already dealt with sickness. Jesus already dealt with the sin issue. He didn't just deal with it for the people, but the ministers are to fend for themselves. He dealt with, he dealt it out for everyone. For everyone. I'm essentially just a mouthpiece. That's all it is. I get to drink of the river that makes glad the city of God. And then as a preacher, I just tell everyone, come on in. Come and drink from the fountain of everlasting life. Come, taste and see that the Lord is good. That's all I do. I'm not bearing nothing. I'm not bearing, the only thing I bear is the cross. And the cross is my mandate and my mission and my obligation now to tell people about Jesus. Despite the persecution I face, despite the hatred I'll face, despite the malignant efforts, or not malignant efforts, but malignant uh, or malicious rather, malicious words that people might say against me, 
it, it matters not. My cross is to take all the heat. Since people can't get mad at God, they get mad at his ministers. That's my cross, and I'll gladly take it. The Bible says they, they were glad to suffer shame for his name. Hallelujah. But when it comes to sin, sickness, disease, and anything the devil would throw at you, I don't bear that thing. Je God already laid on Jesus all of those things, and so God will never lay on me what he already laid on Jesus. And I say it's illegal for Satan to ever lay on me what God already laid on, on Christ Jesus at that cross. So let's read. Beloved, verse 2, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Beloved, I pray. Well, why would John pray something if it wasn't God's will? I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in good health even as your soul prospers. Psalm 91, Psalm 91 says, no uh, pestilence can stalk in darkness. Disease can stalk in darkness. It can look in from the outside, but you shall not be afraid of pestilence for it shall not come near you. The Bible says, a thousand can fall to your side, 10,000 at your right hand. It will not touch you. No evil shall befall you, Psalm 91, and no plague come near your tent. No plague, no sickness, no deadly illness. So not only is it God's will for you to be well, it's God's will for you never even to get sick in the first place. Jeremiah 33, 6, I have brought you health and a cure. Exodus 23, 25, if you'll serve the Lord your God, he'll bless your bread and water and he will take sickness out of your midst. I read it before, Exodus 15, 26. I'll not allow any disease to come on you, which you've known in Egypt. Isaiah 54, 14. In righteousness, you shall be established. You will be far from terror and from oppression. It shall not come near thee. Number four, divine healing facts. Sickness is revealed by scripture as being demonic in origin. Job 2.7. And Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with boils. Acts 10.38. No doubt you know of Jesus of Nazareth, whom God anointed with the Holy Ghost and power, who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed by the devil. Healing all. Healing how many? All. Oppressed by who? The devil. Who oppressed? The devil. Who healed? Jesus. Jesus healed all who were oppressed by the devil. Sickness is an oppression of the devil. Luke chapter 13, verses 10 through 18. A woman bent double in the synagogue. Jesus sees her there, seeing that she had been lying there for many years. He called her to himself and says, Woman, you're loose from that infirmity. The, the, the Pharisees got indignant. They got angry. I'm sorry. Anybody that gets angry at a revival, like what's going on at Asbury, anybody that gets angry at healing, what's been going on for all these years, anybody that gets angry at people getting baptized in the Holy Ghost, anybody that gets angry at people getting saved and set free, anybody that gets angry at people being set free from demonic possession or oppression, that person has a wrong spirit. They are to be noted and they are to be separated from. The Bible says there are men in the last days who will hold to a form of godliness. They will know the Christianese statements. They will sing the right songs. They will know how to do the Christian part, play the hypocrite in church. But there, the Bible says they will deny the power that's 
able to set people free from such people turn away. They got indignant at what Jesus had done. And they said, there are six days on which men ought to work. Come and be healed on those days. Jesus looked at them and he said, you hypocrites, you brood of vipers. Which of you having a donkey will not untie it to lead it away to water it, even though it's the Sabbath? And he says, ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound. Who? Whom Satan has bound. Who? Whom Satan has bound. Don't be deceived, my brothers and sisters. Sickness is not God's work. Sickness is not God's chastisement. Sickness is not God's opinion for you. Sickness is certainly not God's will for you. Sickness is a bondage of the devil. It is an oppression of hell. Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to preach deliverance to the captives. It's a captivity of Satan to set at liberty them that are oppressed. It is an oppression of the devil. And Jesus said in 1 John 3, 8, I have come to destroy the work of the devil. I see the work of sickness being destroyed in your life today once and for all. You see in Matthew 12, a man who's blind and dumb. Sorry, mute and deaf and dumb. No, blind and dumb, sorry. Matthew 12, 23, 22. He was blind and dumb. Jesus dealt with the demon. And the moment the demon left, his blindness was turned to sight and he began to speak for the first time. Mark 9, a boy is brought to Jesus who's got epilepsy. In the natural, they would have just prescribed him some medication or whatever. But Jesus said that there was a spirit at work here. A spirit. And he cast the demon out of the boy and the boy was made perfectly sound and normal from that day onward. Sickness is a part of Satan's works. Healing is a part of God's works. I like what F.F. Bosworth wrote in his book, Christ the Healer. I'm going to read it to you. Disease makes slaves of the people who care for the sick. The loved ones who are up day and night working over the sick ones are robbed of joy and rest. Sickness is not of love. And God is love. Disease steals health. It steals happiness. It steals other things. Disease is our enemy. It is a robber. Quit looking at disease like it's some freaking friend of yours. There's some people that's been so brainwashed. God gives his toughest, toughest battles to his toughest warriors. Amen. <laughs> You've been brainwashed, demonically deceived. It's irritating to me. How many of you know staying sick and maintaining a good attitude through it all is such a sign of piety? You know, if sickness is God's will, then why not ask for more? Why are you going to seek treatment? Why are you going to a doctor? Why are you taking that Advil? If you're unsure whether God wants to heal you, put away the medication. Put away the treatment. Don't touch it one day. Because in doing that, you're seeking to be relieved of something God wants you to have. Why seek relief? In doing that, you're actually going against, you're violating the divine order. You're acting as a rebel. Don't go to a hospital. You should be praying for more cancer. Pray for more diabetes. If it's a sign of piety, if it's a sign of religious duty or, 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 or discipline, 
or a certificate of your high religiosity, a badge of honor in heaven. Ask for more. Get some more. Quit asking the doctor for relief and more prescription medication. Start to ask heaven for more pain. It makes no sense. Disease is our enemy. It is a robber. Look at what it has stolen from the tuberculosis patient. It came during the youth. It burdens the family, fills them with anxiety, doubt, fears, pains. It robs the patient of faith. Don't tell anyone that disease is the will of God. It is the will of hate. It is the will of Satan. If disease has become the will of love, then love is turned to hate. If disease is the will of God, then heaven will be filled with sickness. Jesus said, pray that my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Is there sickness in heaven? No. So then we know that we have a legal right to pray for sickness to leave your body here on earth. Because he said, pray that my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Sickness is demonic in root. Number five, Jesus views sickness in your body the same way he sees sin in your spirit. The same way God does not want sin in your body, he does not want sickness in, uh, sin in your spirit, sorry. He does not want sickness in your body. The same way God, the Bible says, purchased you with a, for a price. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ, the Bible says? You were bought with a high price, therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit. The same way God wants to be glorified in your spirit in that you are sin-free, God wants to be glorified in your body in that you are sickness-free. We do not glorify God in our spirits by remaining in sin, and we certainly do not glorify God in our bodies by remaining sick. And anything that suggests, suggests otherwise is unscriptural. You do not remain you do not glorify God in your spirit by remaining sinful. In the same way, you do not glorify God in your body by remaining sick. Jesus sees sin to your spirit as an enemy. He saw sickness to the body as an enemy. How do we know that? Because the Bible says he went about doing good, healing all oppressed of the devil. The Son of Man was made manifest to destroy the works of the devil. And where, where, did, where did Jesus ever make a healthy person sick? Where did Jesus ever make a seen person blind? Where did Jesus ever take someone who was strong, well, well, uh, strong in his body, had wellness in his body, and then make him sick and put all kinds of stuff? No, you see him do the opposite. He found sick people and made them healthy. He found blind people and made them see. He found deaf people and made them hear. Number six, the Bible promises the life of Jesus in our mortal flesh. This is important. You need to get this. You're just tuning in now. Share the broadcast now. Like this video on YouTube if you haven't done so already. This is like one of the most important revelations you'll ever get concerning your new identity in Christ. And reason. You know, faith really is built on reasons. The woman with the issue of blood told Jesus the reason why she touched him. Faith is built on reasons. Reasons that are excavated from the Word of God. And so these 10 facts are really 10 reasons for you to step out of that prison cell of sickness and start to enjoy divine health today. And reason number six is going gonna, is gonna to really, some of you have never heard this before, but it's going to build you up so that you're not going to waver anymore. You're not going to be leaving this broadcast today feeling like, yes, I believe healing is the will of God, and then tomorrow get around some nincompoop that's going to tell you the opposite, and then 
uh, is going to weigh in on you and then your confession begins to alter and waver and you're not holding fast to the confession of faith. Instead, you're like a wave of the sea tossed to and fro. I'm telling you, number six is going to solidify things for you. The Bible promises the life of Jesus in our mortal flesh. Listen to this. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 10. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard pressed on every side yet not crushed. We are perplexed but not in despair. Persecuted but not forsaken. Struck down but not destroyed. Verse 10. Always carrying about in our body the dying of the Lord Jesus. That the life of Jesus may be manifested in our body. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. That the life of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake. He's talking about persecution. That the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. Hallelujah. The life of Jesus manifested in your mortal flesh. The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, that His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to glory and virtue. It goes on to say in verse 4, that by these great and magnificent promises found in the Bible, we might become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world by lust. The scripture says that the divine nature of Christ is imparted into us through these great and magnificent promises. The life of Jesus is in me. John 6, Jesus said, He that eats of my flesh and drinks of my blood has my life in him. Hallelujah. The life of God made manifest in your mortal body. All that Jesus is, all that he was in the gospels, the life that he carried, the overflow of that life that when he just touched people, they were made well. When people touched his, the hem of his garment, they were made well. That same life, not a separate life, not a different life, not a less quality life, the same life of Jesus all that Jesus is in his DNA, in his virtue, in his power, that life is made manifest in you. The Bible says in John 15 that we have been grafted into Christ, that the life of the vine is now flowing through us, the branches. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 11 says we have been grafted into Christ by faith, grafted in. What's engraftment? You take a, a diseased branch and you can actually take a nice vine, a tree, whatever, and you cut one of the, uh, the stubs or one of the branches off the tree and you take this diseased branch and you connect it and tie it up and engraft it into that tree. Over time, it's going to seal together. And not only that, it's not the disease of the branch that gets in. To the life of the tree. It's the life of the tree that overwhelmingly takes over the branch, eliminating all signs of the disease, strengthening it so that it can revive and begin to produce a high level of fruit again. Hallelujah. The health of Jesus. 
I've been branched into Christ. I've been engrafted into him. The health of Jesus flows in me. I want you to write that down in the comment section. I need you to write this down in the comment section because it's a powerful confession that you should say every single day. Say this, write this down. The health of Jesus flows in me. The health of Jesus flows in me. Hallelujah. Bible says that uh, one of the reasons that people were dying in 1 Corinthians 11 in the Corinthian church was because they were not discerning the Lord's body. He said, for this reason, some, some of you are dying prematurely. Some of you have fallen sick and are weak because of it. Not discerning the Lord's body. There's a twofold application to this. Number one is not discerning the Lord's body, meaning you, you've not come to unity within yourselves. Yes, but also too, I believe Paul was alluding to the fact that some of you forgot why Jesus was bruised in his body, why he took stripes on his body. Some of you have lost sight of the fact that Jesus was broken in his body so that we could be made whole. You've not discerned. You're just taking the bread like it's just bread. Just taking the blood like it's just, or the, 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 the cup like it's just an ordinary cup with juice in it. It's not. Now, I don't believe in transubstantiation in that the blood actual or the, the, the cup actually becomes the blood and the bread actually becomes the, the body. But I do believe that in taking the bread and in drinking the cup, that we are literally um, unleashing in us the life of Christ. Jesus said in John 6. He that eats of my flesh and drinks of my blood has life in me. As the Father sent me and I live by him, so he that eats of my flesh and drinks of my blood has my life in him. I believe that when you take the communion meal, you are literally infusing yourself with divine strength. Yes, we're doing this in remembrance to what Christ did. Yes, we're doing it in acknowledgement and our hope that one day we're going to receive ultimately an incorruptible body. And we're when we drink of that blood, yes, we are acknowledging that our sin's been forgiven. But remember, Leviticus says that the life of a thing is in its blood. The life of a thing is in its blood. When I drink of that blood, yes, I'm acknowledging that the power of sin's been broken over my life and I have, I have my name written down in glory now. But I'm also acknowledging that when I drink this, the life of Christ is being made manifest in my body. When I eat of that bread, the life of Christ is literally going to war against any foreign thing in my body, swallowing it up. Just like when Moses threw his rod down and it became a serpent and the Egyptians threw their rod down and it became a serpent and the rod of Moses swallowed up the rods of, e of the Egyptian magicians. Even so, I believe when I take part of that miracle meal called the communion, that the power of God goes to swallow up every unclean cell, Everything in my body that represents pain, anything in my body that has no legal right to remain there, the power of God goes and swallows it up. It overwhelms it. It eliminates it. Hallelujah. The life of Jesus in our mortal flesh. You're a partaker of his body. You're a member of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. Number seven, Jesus gave us power to not just be healed, but carry healing to our generation. So not only does God want to heal you now, Today, and you're going to get healed as we pray in the, in the coming minutes. But I also believe, and I have scripture to back it up, God wants to make you an agent of healing in your generation. God wants to use you to heal the sick. 
Bible fact number seven of divine healing is Jesus not only desires to heal, he desires to make you a conduit of that healing power to your generation. Matthew chapter 10, verse 1, and he called his disciples together and he gave them power over unclean spirits and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of diseases. Mark 16, and they shall lay hands on the sick and the sick shall recover. He doesn't just want to give you a healing for yourself. Psalm 23 says, He anoints your head with fresh oil, your cup runs over. He wants you to overflow with healing power so that like Peter, just your shadow is, is a weapon destroying sickness in other people's bodies. Jesus never commissioned anyone to preach the gospel without including healing for the sick. Luke chapter 10, verse 8 and 9. As you go, preach the kingdom, heal their sick. John 14, 12, the works you saw me do, you will do, and greater works shall you do, because I go unto the Father. He never commissioned anyone to preach without including healing for the sick. You know, it's interesting because, and this is another reason why you should believe God's going to heal you right now. The Bible tells us that God has prepared us for every good work. The Bible states that we have been furnished unto all good works. The Bible says that we may abound unto every good work. Hebrews 2, uh, Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. So there is good works God wants you to fulfill. There, there's, a, there's a mission that God desires you to fill. There's a mandate to keep. There's a commission to be done. There's an assignment to be accomplished. But it wouldn't be, it, for more, a lot of people who are sick, especially with more serious ailments, it would be impossible to fulfill the good works God wants us to walk in if you're severely limited by pain or necessary treatment or bound to a hospital bed. It's hard for you to be a missionary traveling and preaching if you need to go and into a dialysis three times a week. It's hard to be a missionary, or it's hard to be called to be a pastor, full-time pastor, if you're having a battle, constant pain in your back that's left you debilitated and wanting to stay in bed all day. It's hard to open up that business God's calling you to open up. If you're constantly battling feelings of distress on your body or the enemy's taxing your body, there's a work to be done. There's a mandate to keep. There's a gospel to preach. There's an assignment on your life. There's good works that God wants you to abound into. And it starts today for many of you that have been hindered or prevented from, you know, Jesus wanted to use a donkey to usher himself into Jerusalem. He said, loose the donkey and let it go. Some of you are like that donkey. You're tied up. God wants to, to use your life to accomplish something great on the earth. Before you can do that, you got to be loosed. Number eight, divine healing fact. Jesus, since Jesus came to do the Father's will and he healed all, then we must conclude that the Father's will is to heal all today. John 6, 38 says, I've come not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Jesus said, what my Father does, that's what I do. He said, I could do nothing of my own initiative, but only what I see the Father doing, that do I in like manner. Jesus said, the Father is working until now, and I work with him. Hebrews 1.3 says, Jesus was the exact representation of the will of 
the Father, the nature of God. Philip asked Jesus, Lord, show us the Father and it's sufficient. Jesus said, have you not seen me? Is that not enough? He that has seen me has seen the Father. Jesus represented the will of God on the earth. And since Jesus healed all, we know it's still today God's will to heal all because God is not a man that he should lie, nor is he the son of man that he should change his mind. Malachi 3.6, I am the Lord God and I change not. A leper came to Jesus. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. I am willing. Let that I am willing sound through all of time to 2023 and ring deep in your ears to accept that as God was willing to heal that leper in Mark 1, he's willing to heal you right now. Jesus gave the answer to that leper. I am willing. Let what he said there sound throughout all history and shatter every religious lie that would block you from having the confident faith needed to receive healing today. What Jesus answered that leopard, I am willing, be made clean. Let it sound throughout all history and time and shatter every religious lie that would hinder you from accessing God's healing power today. Number nine, God does not chasten his children with sickness and disease. Hebrews 12 talks about chastisement or discipline not being pleasant. And a lot of people have used that scripture to say sometimes God uses sickness to discipline and chastise you and yada, yada, yada. But the word chastise there in the Greek is to instruct, to discipline, to teach, to train, to educate. How many of you would send your kid to school if the curriculum and the syllabus for the semester was uh, one class was we're going to inject you with a vial of cancer and that's how you're going to be taught patience and how you're going to talk to enjoy the simple things of life. None of you would send your kid there because it makes no sense. When the writer of Hebrews is saying that God chastises his own children and any child that is not disciplined by the father is illegitimate, therefore not a child, he's not saying unless you've gone through sickness and disease, you're not a child of God. He's saying that God instructs his children. God trains like a, a school teacher would train up his student and educate them through information. God desires to educate you through information, through his word. Would you trust a school that injected your kid with a virus every time they slipped up? No. God no more uses uh, sickness as a form of chastisement. As any of you as parents would use sickness as a form to educate your own child. And if you are that type of parent, you need to be checked into a mental institute. Number 10, and I finish with this. The New Testament calls healing a mercy. Divine healing fact number 10. The New Testament calls healing a mercy that God shows. And the Bible says his mercies are new every single day. Listen to this. Mark chapter 10, verse 46. Now they came to Jericho as he went out of Jericho with his disciples, a great multitude, and blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. They called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer. Rise, he is calling you. 
Throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus, and Jesus answered and said, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. Jesus said, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. Jesus says that, or the Bible says here, that Jesus healing that blind man's eyes was an expression of his mercy. Well, has his mercy expired? If so, we're all going to hell. So as long as God's mercy is not expired to save the sinner, then his, God, his mercy is not expired to heal the sick. If he was merciful enough to save you, then you know that he's still merciful enough to heal you. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Matthew chapter 15. Matthew 15, verse 21. Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came in the region, cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, my daughter is severely demon-possessed. Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. And we know the end of the story. Jesus answered and said, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done to you as you have desired. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Healing is an expression of the mercy of God. Yes, healing brings glory to God and it turns people to Jesus. Yes, healing is a utensil whereby God uh, can show forth his glory and um, glorify his name in a family, in an individual, in a church, in, in a region or whatever. But the number one reason God heals is to express his mercy. It's an expression of his compassion. Matthew chapter 14 and verse 14. And when Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. And when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude. He was moved with compassion, with mercy for them, and he healed their sick. He was moved with mercy for them, and he healed their sick. I want you to understand as I conclude this right now, and I'm going to pray for you right now. God is moved with compassion for you. God is, has mercy for you right now. God has not retracted these mercies. His mercies are new every single day. And great is his faithfulness throughout all time. The Bible says the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Forever includes 2023. If you're sick today, God will show you mercy. He said, is not this daughter of Abraham whom Satan has bound these 18 years, should she not be healed on the Sabbath from this infirmity? The Lord is saying the same thing to you. You're a child of Abraham. You're a son of Abraham. You're a daughter of Abraham. You're part of the family of faith. He wants to show you this mercy today. Be merciful to me, son of David. And he answered and said, as your faith is, so be it unto you. Cry out to mercy, for mercy right now. Ask the Lord for his healing mercy. His compassions have not shortened for you. His compassions have not dimmed down for you. He still has an intense, fiery compassion for you. He desires to lift you up out of that ditch of sickness and disease. Listen to this. Have mercy on me. He is merciful. 
Mark chapter 3. And he entered the synagogue again, and a man was there who had a withered hand, and they watched him closely whether he would heal on the Sabbath or not, that they might accuse him. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, step forward. He looked to the people and said, is it lawful to do on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save a life or to kill? But they kept silent. He looked around at them with anger. He was angry because the Pharisees were not providing an environment where God can show mercy to people like this who have a withered hand or any type of deformity or sickness or disease. Jesus said, it is unlawful to leave a man like this the same way he came on the Sabbath. Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and it was as whole as the other. Jesus said, it's unlawful for people that are sick to not be made well. It's unlawful. God's mercy comes to correct lawlessness. God's mercy came to correct the lawlessness of sin in your life. And God's mercy is present here today. His healing power present on the scene. His healing hand extended your way to correct the lawlessness of sickness and what sickness has done to your body, your family, and your life. Let's pray right now. I feel the anointing strong. Lord's touching people's bodies as we speak. His healing power is being manifest in your mortal body, quickening and making right every wrong, every demonic seed that's been planted in your body, fibromyalgia, multiple cirrhosis, neurological disorders, ALS, cancers, tumors, herniated discs, any type of uh, pain in your knees, cartilage issues, any deformality of the womb, anything that's happened to your womb, any type of uh, growths in your womb that's prevented you from having children, in the name that is above every other name, the healing power zaps right through your system. In Jesus' mighty name, I lose the mighty power of heaven's virtue for healing through your body. I take authority over every demon of cancer, over every demon of diabetes, over every demon of kidney issues, blood disorders, anything that was has gone to threaten the life abundance that Jesus promised that you could have. In the name of Jesus Christ, I command its cessation in your life. I command its eviction out of your body. In Jesus' name, take authority over it now. As a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I've been commissioned to preach the gospel and heal the sick. I lose healing power in you by the power of the name of Jesus Christ. Command your legs, anyone that's paralyzed, or has dismobility in legs, in the name of Jesus Christ, command the quickening power of God, the energia dunamos, to make alive your legs. Rise up and walk in Jesus' name. Anything that's withered in your body, wait, rise up and walk. Stretch forth your hand. Stretch forth your leg. Stretch forth your neck. Stretch forth your back. Anything that's withered away, stretch forth. In the name of Jesus Christ. That's right, Natasha. A clean house for all the saints. The Bible says that when Jesus went into the synagogue, he overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he drove them all out. He said, is this not a house of prayer and deliverance? 
And then in that very hour, many that were sick and blind came to him and he healed them all. He drove out the things that offended the temple. Know ye not that ye are the temple of the Holy Ghost? I see the fire of God driving out and burning out everything that offends. Anything that defiles. In the name of Jesus Christ. It ends here. It ends now. Enough is enough. You're rising up into your healing of inheritance. Healing is the bread you'll eat of from today onward. We call it done in faith. We seal it by faith. Stay connected with us by visiting us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching at TJ Malkanji. Or visit us online, www.salvationnow.ca. God bless you, and until next time.